Hello, my name is Celia Hirsch, and I'm a volunteer with Igniting Change, an intentionally tiny but outcome-mighty organisation based in Melbourne, Australia. Igniting Change has walked alongside many individuals and organisations making a difference, usually working with very thorny issues in decidedly unsexy areas. It's unlike any charity you may have previously encountered, and its catchphrase is, see the person, not the label. What we are seeking to do with this podcast is introduce you to the people of Igniting Change and the people we work alongside. Our guest today is Chloe Dixon. Chloe is the Operations Manager at PCYC. Hi, Chloe. Hi, Celia. Tell me what PCYC stands for. PCYC stands for Police, Citizens and Youth Club. We haven't actually had the involvement of police for for a number of years now, but I think initially the lady who started PCYC, which initially was St Kilda Boys Club back in 1947, Mm -hmm. I think she took on the name of PCYC to assist with funding and also there was there was some police involvement but that hasn't been for a number of years we've we've just kept the name so people know who we are and mm-hmm. where to find us essentially and and what do you actually do essentially we provide youth programs for young kids who otherwise wouldn't have access to these kinds of things so we have all sorts of outreach programs we have all sorts of uh, gym programs inside our gym which we have we do holiday programs we have a music studio we have a girls group We have about 12 different youth programs which are free to kids in the area or, you know, out as far as two hours away these kids are coming to visit us because they don't, a lot of the times these kids don't have anything else to do. So it's fair to assume that your programs might be the only organised activity that these kids have. Absolutely. We try and have a focus for these programs. It might be, you know, with girls group, we've got 10 to 14 year old girls coming in and talking, they're doing arts and crafts. But essentially all of our programs is just giving giving the kids something to do and kind of role modelling or, or mentoring without them actually realising that we're doing it. <laughs> because otherwise they're, they're not with us, they're out, you know, they could be out, you know, doing all sorts of things on the street. When PCYC was initially created 72 years ago, just to give you a bit of backstory. Sure. Olive Johnson created the St Kilda Boys Club back in 1947 when she found there were some local kids and they were stealing apricots from her front garden mm-hmm. and instead of you know yelling at them or chasing them away or anything like that she realized that if nothing was to be done these kids you know she didn't know what their paths might look like because she'd recognize these kids so instead of you know brushing them off she invited them in cooked them a hot meal played a game of cricket with them and then from then uh, that group just grew and grew and grew and it ended up you know, it started in her house and then it went to churches and that she was going between town halls and then the land was actually donated to her, I think, in 1975. And that's where we still are now. Olive sounds pretty extraordinary. She was amazing. She is what we try to continue day in, day out. So she inherited the land yeah. and set it up basically where you now have the gym. Yeah, absolutely. And what's the address there? At 179 Inkerman Street. So probably people have driven past that absolutely. a million times a million and times. not known what it, it is. It happens all the time. So people, anyone can go in there? Absolutely. The thing is, it's actually a gym, you know, it is a gym. It's a really, it's quite a cheap gym. It's a community gym. You know, our focus is obviously the youth, but we have all sorts of other groups inside the gym. You know, you've got 
We have a Parkinson's boxing group, you know, a seated group for people in just in the area of City of Port Phillip. We have, but then you've got seniors classes. You've actually, we have a boxing club like a, where you've got amateur fighters fighting out of. Mm-hmm. There is so much that we do in this in this beautiful little community space. And yeah, people drive past it all the time and actually have no idea that we're there. But your focus is on kids who wouldn't otherwise have this opportunity. And, and how do you go about sort of recruiting them, if you like? So we actually go out to Paran and Port Melbourne Commission Housing three times a week. So on a Monday, Wednesday and Saturday, we go out to the Commission Housing and play games, you know, give them a hot meal and just hang out with them really. You know, they a lot of the times they don't have stable mentors or role models or even just consistency in their life and you know they might be up out doing things that you know not really desirable for a 16 year old Mm. to be doing were they suspicious of you at first when you rocked up at the absolutely (laughs) absolutely so donnie one of my amazing co-workers was actually started the mac program about 20 years ago and he he talks about when he first went out there and they looked at him and they're like what are you doing here you know we're coming into their space Mm. they're not used to people um Wanting to be kind. No, no, not at all, you know. What's that, the catch? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That is exactly. And so, you know, then we come in and we're, we're nothing but smiles and fun and we just want to be there for them. And a lot of the times these young people haven't experienced that in their lives. So then when you come in with this, you know, heartwarming approach and, and you just want to help, they, they do find it quite um, suspicious. But and how, how long does it take to break down those barriers? I think it just depends. Like we are actually really lucky to have a really dynamic different and we have always, as far as I can um, tell, have a really dynamic different group of staff. So you've got some kids that interact really well with one person but other kids might engage really well with someone else. Mm. So it's just about using different skills, different approaches. I think it's just being genuine really. Mm. Like everyone has flaws. We're all – but we're just there and just there to have fun and mm. we're not – we don't come in with this, oh, we're, we're better than you, we're going to try and fix you or anything like that. Absolutely not. A lot of our staff have, have been out there and they've felt the issues themselves or they've actually come from these programs. Mm-hmm. So these kids can actually see that there is a path out of this. I could be like that. Yeah, absolutely. How much time is put into the philosophy about physical fitness and physical work as a means to help with mental health? Is that one of the goals? Yes, but without the kids knowing that, really. Mm. Like, they're not too interested in that at all. No. They just want to have fun and muck around. And we, we want to encourage that more than, you know, anything. We just want them to be happy and have something positive for them to be doing. I think initially, going back, the recreation was a massive part of it. You know, over the years, uh, with technology evolving and, and different things happening, also socially different issues coming up. So we used to, all, pretty much all of our programs used to be recreation-based. Mm-hmm. But now obviously, you know, so music's a big thing now. So we have a music studio and we've got young kids coming out from as far as two hours away. And some of these kids might be from commission housing. You've got young refugees. You've got people who've been recently incarcerated. And then they're coming in and it's quite beautiful actually because they're coming in to use this studio and... You know, when they first, I remember a lot of the times when they first come in, they're they're suspicious, they look at you, they don't smile, they're not super friendly. But now as time's gone on, they're so kind and engaging. And now when they bring their friends in, you know, their friends saunter in with the same kind of <laughs> suspicious approach, like suspicious of us. Mm. And and these, you know, our, our young people actually pull up their friends and say, hey, no, this this is a, you know, you've got to be nice here. This is a safe place. Yeah, this is a safe place. Yeah. And then all of a sudden these new kids that are coming in are smiling and saying hello and, and it's really nice and just this studio gives them, you know, a safe space to embrace their creativity and to trust and 
you know, and it's just a really nurturing environment. So you've got, you know, things like the studio, but then you've got girls group because obviously socially and as a young woman, things can be quite hard with mm-hmm. different, with well, for anyone, but, you know, young people and, you know, bodies changing and, and, and bullying and all those different all things. All sorts of gender-specific things. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, we've got a lot of recreation-based ones and it is, you know, a lot about their health. You know, we've got Koori Boot Camp. So every Thursday night you've got Indigenous young people coming from as far as Dandenong to mm-hmm. come in and we do half an hour of basketball, half an hour of like a gym class and then at the end of it we have this program going on at the moment called Deadly Health. And so the first week it was just about, you know, hygiene and cleanliness and then the next one it was about washing your clothes. The next one it was about how to make a healthy juice instead of, you know, drinking Coke and just yep. like the sugar content in mm. each of them. So we really try and hit it on all levels. So you've got the recreation, you've got the health behind it, social issues, creative issues, all, all sorts of things. What about the kids who are really damaged? I mean, what sort of training do you have or, or is it just a matter of going gently with them until they heal pretty much look these kids a lot of the time they're already engaged in, pro- in services like DHS a lot of the times they'll have case managers through their commission where they live youth services through there what I think makes us really special is that we're kind of one step away but one step closer at the same time we don't have the same formal structure but it's a safe space for them. Mm. So obviously if there's a really traumatic or serious issue, we always refer. So we are quite – we're close with a lot of the local services that are – that do have psychologists on hand mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But obviously being a, a not-for-profit, we don't have psychologists in the, in the building to be able to help with these things. Yeah. But we do – we have made a lot of great connections with local services who are able to give those things to these kids. But there would be a lot of unloading, I would imagine, on you, a lot of mm-hmm. kids sharing their, their issues. How do you shake that off at the end of the day? Yeah, look, that's a tough one. We've definitely had to learn how to create healthy boundaries mm. um, just for our own peace of mind. At the start, I know that I really struggled at the start and a lot of our staff are just really empathic people mm. and, you know, you get it, you work in an organisation like this because you care. So, and then you've got these young, incredible people. They're so creative, so kind and... You just want to help. Yeah, of course. Obviously, you refer in the serious situations but just, just being able to be there for them, giving them a safe space, it's just a place where they can come and they, f- and they can be themselves and none of that matters for that time that they're there. What do you do to get away from it all? I balance myself out. So I do a bit of boxing for one, you know, mm-hmm. for, and then I do yoga as well just to try and, you know. I, I So you're a good role model for the young women who are coming in? Uh, do you think I of like, yourself as that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Even in myself, I, I've had, you know, and as I said, a lot of the staff have, but I, I've seen a lot of the world that these young people have seen as well. Mm. So what was your upbringing like? So my upbringing, it wasn't, it wasn't that my parents were terrible to me. Um, it's just that I, I spent a lot of time on my own as a young person, mm-hmm. um, ended up meeting some people that were quite undesirable and just went just went down a path which I wouldn't have wished on other people. So you're aware of, of what these kids are up against? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I've spent time where these people live, where yeah. these young kids live. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I have had my own issues with, with violence. And um, Do you think you need that to be able to understand them? You just need to have an open heart, Mm. you know, just an open mind really, no Mm. judgment. Like I think that's the number one thing is not having any judgment because everyone is just doing the best that they can, you know, um, with the tools that they're given. And a lot of the times if these kids don't have the tools, then how can they cope? Mm. You know, people people just say, oh, get a job, get a job. But a lot of the time these kids have never seen anyone work before. They come from generations of people who haven't worked 
so that that you know motivation of getting up and going to work every day that's that's not that's not a part of them They're, they haven't seen that before so them coming in to see us every day and you know look some of us have like as with all humans we all mm-hmm. have bad days mm-hmm. and these kids are able to see that sometimes yeah look we might be we're not having our best day or there might be something going on at home but we're there and and you know that um you rely, that we show yeah. up yeah you know so there's there's a lot of poverty i guess there's a lot of poverty that's hidden with with families absolutely. who are coming in to see you absolutely and especially when you've got commission housing they they lump it all up in one space and so yeah and it's just like it's like its own com- it is it's its own community in there mm. um and a lot of times they keep to themselves and stuff like that and you know it'll be a commission housing that's in the center of quite an affluent area but that people aren't aware of the division between those two those two communities Mm. what about the house that pcyc also runs tell me about that that's actually how i found pcyc i moved into that house in 2014 Mm, okay um at that time there was a a wonderful a wonderful man who previously had my position which i have now and at the time i had had a lot of distrust for the world i'd been burnt and i'd seen a really really dark side of the world Mm -hmm. i'd been hurt by a lot of people that i loved and and i'd lost faith in in humanity essentially and this wonderful man, Sonu, he, he gave me a job at PCYC and he trusted me. And at the time, I couldn't look people in the eyes. Mm. But being in PCYC, it just made me believe and see again that there is um, love in the world and that people really do care and, and just the power of community and connection. But so this house is, um, it's a rooming house and it's changed a lot since I lived there. When I lived there, it was just, it was essentially a share house. But we've now turned it into, so it's, Basically, young people coming straight out of crisis accommodation. So a lot of these kids have been on the street for some time or living in really, really toxic, unsafe environments. They they might come straight out of crisis accommodation or it might be one of our young people coming through our programs and we need to get them out of whatever unsafe environment they're in. And so they move into the house. How many rooms? So there is seven, but unfortunately we've just had to... Unfortunately, now there's six because we need to do some renovations on one of the rooms mm. because it's a standalone little one at the back and, and for fire safety, it needs to have an entrance and an exit. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need some work to do some work on that mm-hmm. one. But there is seven rooms. Um, and you have a waiting list for that? We do have a, yeah, we do have a partnership with Salvation Army. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their young people straight out of crisis accommodation come in. We're trying to build a safe community inside the house. So they we, we also want to get the right fit for the house so mm-hmm. um people who can work together learn learn how to share a space learn how to clean a kitchen all those d- different things yeah how and when did you come into contact with igniting change so about two years ago i met jade and Haley. they came down and they were it was when they were focusing on the on the um, Homeless. homelessness yeah mm. So they'd heard about the house and at the time Sonu was still working there and Sonu was speaking to them both and then Sonu heard a bit about their stories and then he said, I'd actually love you to meet Chloe. So then he brought me in and I've been, you know, great friends with these with these amazing women ever since. They wanted to talk about homelessness, so we talked about the house and since then Igniting Change has given us so much support for that house. It's out, you know, it's I had a dream about building a garden so that the kids could like eventually I want to be able to have a big shared communal kitchen. And grow veggies. Grow veggies mm. and then they learn how to grow their veggies. They grow cook how them. to cook their veggies. Because a lot of times they don't, they don't know where their food's coming from. They're eating mee or they're mm. stealing food, mm. you know. But 
teaching them to grow their own food, mm. to cook their own food and then to clean up after their own food. Like just skills that they've never been shown before. And it's not just kids in crisis who don't have those no. skills. It seems like it's a, it's a really dying uh, yeah, absolutely. Home economics yeah. has gone out the window. Yeah, you've got Uber Eats now, so why would they bother? <laughs> I know. But then, you know, you've got these kids that are living off Newstart and, you know, Uber Eats is $20 a meal. There's no way they can afford that. Yeah, exactly. They do at the start and then all of a sudden two weeks into their pay fortnight, they've got no money for the rest of the time. Mm. So it's just – but that's the thing. There's so much more that people don't realise. There's budgeting. There's, you know, life skills, cooking skills, like even just the ability to, like, live in a share house Mm. because they're not able to obviously get into a private rental by themselves. That's not – that's not – maybe one day, Mm. but right now that's not achievable. So we need to – you know, teach them how to live in, in what they're able to at the moment. So you're doing all of those things, really? Yeah, we try. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying, yeah. So Igniting Change has been helping you with some work on the house, living yep. out some dreams of gardening, that type yeah, of thing. Yeah, but they even, you know, the bathroom that we were that the poor young people were showering in and when I lived there as well, you know, it's not nice and it's not how you want to start your day. You know, when you look mm. down and you're just seeing an old bathtub, like – I'd have to show you photos to do, you know, but yep. <laughs> you, you don't even want to. Just no. imagine an awful bathroom. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if that's the first thing that, you know, that you you start your day, you want to get clean and fresh mm. and you're starting your day in some disgusting bathtub, it's not how you want to start your day. And so Igniting Change um, supported us quite significantly with doing a bathroom upgrade there. They've helped us with security. You know, at the moment we're getting uh, the second bathroom and the kitchen looked at potentially getting redone. But that's just at the house, you know. Then they've helped us so much with our youth programs as well. They've funded a number of our programs, which we potentially might not have been able to get off the ground otherwise. Mm. Um, They've continued the girls' group program. They supported our Duke of Ed where this year we took nine young people to New Zealand and that was and I was privileged enough to go on that trip Mm. and that was easily one of the best things I've ever done in my life if not the best Mm. we spent five uh, six days in the South Island of New Zealand you know hiking and and camping and cooking and all these different things and pretty much all of these young kids have never left the country they didn't have passports but you know not just not passports they didn't have birth certificates Mm. or their parents don't have birth certificates or one of their parents has decided that they just don't want their kid to go Mm. just for for, and we don't even you know the young Mm. person doesn't even understand why but the the parent is just being awful yeah what were the interesting things that happened when you were over there what did you see oh it was I, i get shivers even just talking about it but it was just incredible you know the first, the first two days, the kids are climbing up mountains looking – like they've got their phones out looking for Wi-Fi, and, <laughs> you know, and then by the end of it, none of them wanted to leave and were just camping and cooking food. They weren't worried about their phones by the end of it and they just – it just took them out of – The everyday. Yeah. And, you know, at, at the end of each night, we'd do some sort of, you know, gratitude circle or, you know, reflection on the day and – on the very last day, it was it was so beautiful that, you know, the half of us were bawling our eyes out. <laughs> but we did this little game and it was a stick. You had a stick, a rock and a leaf and you had to say something that will stick with you, something that rocked and something that you'll leave behind. And just the out- answers that were coming back were so incredible. And, you know, you've got kids being, you know, they're going to leave behind a part of their ego and, you know, they leave behind the, the need for Wi-Fi all the time. Yeah. And But just all the things that, that stuck with them and, and that rocked, that just the power of living in the moment and... and getting outside and, and realising that there's more, you know, they, they grow up in these commission housing and it's like this little... Microcosm. Yeah, mm. exactly. And and of and a lot of the time it's just crime and drugs and... Um, and that's know, all normal. That's normal. That's mm. normal. And that's what they grow up with. And, you know, some uh, quite unfortunately, a lot of times that's what they aspire to because they don't realise that there's more than that. 
And then all of a sudden you get to the South Island of New Zealand and you're standing on the top of a mountain hmm. and you're looking out at, at just these incredible views and all of a sudden that dream of being, becoming a, you know, criminal drug lord yeah that, that's that's not the thing anymore no. all of a sudden you know now out of that one of them one of the kids young wants to be a videographer and mm-hmm. and go and create videos like what we what we uh, had filmed for us and you know one of the other young girls now wants to be one of the camp leaders because she's realized how much she loves nature and how much she loves being outdoors it mm. was just there's so much there's so many things i could talk about it forever but just getting them out of that just pulling them out of that space mm. for six days was life-changing for all of us yeah what do you think would be the most important thing that you give to these kids probably connection I think just just a safe non-judging space somewhere that they can go and they're not judged they're not based on who they are or who their family is or anything like that it's just a place where they can come and they can be silly and they can have a laugh or you know they can just be themselves without that armour that they wear outside of PCYC. Yeah, and you didn't have that when you were when you were growing up, when you were... Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And I no. guess it makes you understand how yeah, important it is. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's one of the main things for me is I just... I wish that I had have had someone that I could speak to because... When we're young, we're all we all struggle. We don't know where we fit in, and you know we feel all these pressures of the world. And I wish that I was shown just to you know live in the moment, relax. enjoy. Yeah, relax. <laughs> like you don't have to. I was walking around for the first you know twenty four years of my life with this armor on and like mm. this protection mechanism, but mm. I didn't really need it. You know, mm. giving these kids yeah just just non judgment, a safe space, somewhere to just come and be themselves, embrace who they are you know, enjoy each moment, those Mm. kinds of things. And I ask everyone who does the podcast, Chloe, what's the one thing Igniting Change has taught you? Igniting Change is an incredibly special place. When I found PCYC, I thought that I'd found the one place in the world that cared. And then I met Igniting Change and I realised there's actually a huge network of people that care. We're just disconnected from each other. The supporters behind Igniting Change and, of course, the incredible women that work here, just the compassion and kindness and the support... You know, they've, they've been there for me when there was a particular trouble that I had about 18 months ago with, with one of the young people and it, and it severely shook me um, and they were there for me and they, you know, they provided support, you know, they helped me with something that I needed at that time. But it's basically, it's just having someone to fall back on and, and just a supportive network behind you. The ability to do this with you today, just to share our story, because mm. as as we said before, so many that this place has been going on for seventy two years. Mm. So many people have no idea that we're there. They drive past us every day. But igniting change is opening up to a whole network of people who care. They support so many of our programs. They're, you know, we're we're having a mixtape launch soon, which spawned from one of the visits we did. We're having a mixtape launch soon from all the kids that come to the studio and create their songs. Mm. You know. Um, the list is actually endless with, with Igniting Change and the ways that they support our kids. Even, you know, personally, you know, one of our young ladies couldn't afford to go to a school formal. And so Igniting Change just obviously just got the tickets, no worries, you know. Yeah. Just it, like it could be little things, big things, but they're just, it's just so nice to have a supportive network behind us. That's it for this Igniting Change podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to press subscribe to ensure you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening and remember, see the person, not the label.